Welcome to a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole, episode 53, Implants and Artificial Intelligence. Uh. That's like a soup recipe. <laughs> the perfect storm we put as uh, part of the title. And, uh, well, thank you for supporting. The previous episodes have been very good. Mm. Uh, remember that you can still go uh, like them on Facebook, comment something there, send us some email Please on the do. website. Uh Recommend the show if you like it. Yes. Or suggest one. Mm-hmm. A That's subject. Suggest us a topic. Yes, mm. exactly. One, we can consider it and make it Absolutely. about that. And if you have information and would you like to cooperate uh, with it, mm. you're welcome to do it. Absolutely. So let's start with the news. Yes, let's do the news. Great idea. And let's start with some news because today <coughs> it's all about Diamonds. Uh, diamonds. It's like a 007. Diamonds, diamonds are forever. Exactly. Or Because diamonds are very interesting, aren't they, as a material, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In that they're non... Uh, the biocompatible. Uh-huh. And mm. the first one is amazing. Mm. It's really amazing because it's... We're talking about the world's uh, tiniest radio. The world's smallest radio. Yeah. And it is just two... The size of two atoms. Atoms. And it, wow. and it was developed at uh, Harvard uh, University. Yes. Uh, researchers at Harvard University. And basically, it's a... Uh, it's a... An input uses an imperfection. They create an imperfection in a diamond atom. Mm-hmm. And then basically... What they do is they can tune, it makes like a cavity. Uh-huh. And they can then tune the cavity with a magnetic field. And that's like the tuning dial on the radio. On the radio. Basically. And then effectively the, the cavity is powered by a laser, um, a green laser, I believe it is. Yeah. And then basically the, the cavity... Um, decodes the uh, audio from the radio mm-hmm. signal and emits the audio as red light. And just using a simple photodiode, they can convert the red light into an audio signal that can be amplified. And I think you have a sample of it, actually. Yes, and we can hear now. What you're, gonna, what you're, what you're about to hear hmm. is the radio working. It's actually working. The size of two... Uh, atoms is there. And it's, this is the sound. It's the most wonderful time There you go. That's amazing, right? Maybe it sounds now like you're uh, listening to an AM radio, but it's working. Remember, it's the size it's, of two atoms. Two atoms right? And the amazing thing about it is that because it's made of diamond... Yeah, uh, they're saying it has an incredible range of environmental uh, conditions it can work in, and I believe they have tested it up to 500 degrees centigrade. Yes, it's, it can be resisting all kind of environments. It's biocompatible. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying is it will effectively work in the human body. It will effectively work uh, in a very harsh, hot environment like. 
probe, for example, being sent to Venus. Yeah, for example. So it works in various conditions in planetary bodies or in space or whatever. For astronauts. Yeah. And the interesting thing that we were kind of talking about was the fact that it is so tiny. Obviously, it's this is a prototype. Yeah. Uh, it's a demonstration. But because it is biocompatible... Uh, one of the things that occurred to me was we've talked in the past about um, we've talked in the past about kind of what we kind of talk about nanotechnology and stuff mm -hmm. like that, where you know we there's this imagined future technology where there are tiny little machines in your body, blah blah, blah. and the thing that always comes up is there's two fundamental problems. One is let's assume we can actually make them. Mm -hmm. One is how do you power them? Yeah. And how do you instruct them? Right? And you can imagine then that this radio is mm -hmm. the building blocks of a command system. Because if this radio was in a molecular machine that had been injected into your body, exactly. You could potentially send it instructions yeah. via this two this this Radio, receiver, mm -hmm. couldn't you? that can be connected to your ear <laughs> or whatever, right? Spy stuff as well, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, amazingly, it's just amazing. And so then, all you got to figure out is how to power this micro machine that's in your body. But yeah. clearly, clearly, this is the beginnings of a technology that allows something yeah, to be controlled. Definitely. Right? And the next news, once again, diamonds, because diamonds are a lab's best friend in as well. In this case, they are. And this is another bit of research at Harvard. Yeah. And it actually uses the similar kind of technology, uh, but it's a different application area. And yeah. basically, uh, these researchers have shown that they can use the same kind of technology uh -huh. to detect the magnetic field generated by a single neuron. Mm -hmm. right? And not only that, but it, there's no physical connection. Now, at the moment, what they can do, what they can do right now is they can take a small uh, thing like a nematode worm or something like that, yeah. and they can actually place it on a, on a sensor which has the, uh, these quantum diamond uh, uh -huh. detectors in them, And they can actually pick up the neural activity of neurons in the in the worm without any invasive technique. Uh -huh. And what they're now talking about is boosting the sensitivity by uh, several hundred. Yes. And and their kind of thing they're trying to aim at is to be able to build build an array of these detectors, and then use those arrays to image literally real-time, uh, the working of neurons. Mm -hmm. So potentially they'll be able to assign each detector to a neuron and produce a real-time movie, shall we say, of, of, of the neurons. Working, the activity, yeah. Which is, as I understand it, the first time that will have been achieved. And, of course, they're talking about non-invasive. So you can... We were just discussing it. You yeah. can see the potential 
tail end here of technologies yeah, of that course. may become dominant. We were talking before that uh, this could create some maps yeah. of a person. Yeah. And we discussed this Elon Musk exactly. thing, right? He's backing this neuro, whatever it is, company. Like in, interfacing with... Yeah, implants. Implants. Stuff. So um, he's backing this company. Clearly, they're going to be looking at this kind of technology. Of because this is the kind of stuff uh, that is the the kind of wet interface that they need mm-hmm. to... Um, to interact potentially, ultimately. Yeah. Obviously, this sure. is a this is a receiver, shall we say, mm-hmm. this detector. Uh, but you know, it's the next step would obviously be feedback, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that is quite an interesting development. Very interesting. Uses the quantum spin of electrons in this detector, and is incredibly sensitive. Yes, so those are the news for this week. Very interesting. Mm, They are. So, implants and artificial intelligence. Mm, Interesting one, right? Yeah. Um, The path to become like a cyborg. Yeah. And losing our humanity, some people say. Well, yes, or losing the whole plot, maybe. Uh Uh-huh. Um. Or just, you know, becoming subject to our AI overlords, which is mm-hmm. always a good outcome, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we thought we'd uh, touch on this again. I know this seems to be a recurring thing about uh, this kind of thing. Well, are the latest news everywhere, you can always hear, you know, news related to this. You can, and um, it is, I read something actually only last week in the news. There was a, another assessment done about not the United Kingdom as a whole, because uh-huh. um, I'm from England, uh, but about Scotland, which is the northern part of the United Kingdom. Uh-huh. And this study was um, assessing how sensitive uh, jobs were in Scotland uh-huh. to the march of AI and uh well, I probably shouldn't use the word March there, is a bit... Uh, but anyway, the advances in AI. And uh, this report, it was quite shocking, really. It said yeah. that um, by 2025, I think it was, 40, 40% of the current jobs in the Scottish jobs market would be highly susceptible to um, AI taking over. Well... Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit scary, isn't it? Because yes. this is happening everywhere, right? But also, uh, the main line that we have in our notes for today, mm. it's, um, it's worrying or, let's say, not so far away from reality. It's not so far away. And it's all about how, yeah. up to now, the only kind of inequality we've particularly had to worry about, which was bad enough... Yeah, economic inequality. Economic, right? So, uh, and generally speaking, it's thought that inequality kind of bedded into our thinking when people started to own stuff, right? Yeah. So basically, you had 50 goats, I only had five goats. (laughs) You were richer than me, you could tell me what to do, uh, blah, 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 right? So this started quite a while back, and in Mm -hmm. fact... Uh, kind of um, 
anthropological, sociological research says that we've had forms of inequality for 30,000 years. Yeah, right? that's always been there. It's well, always kind of, as soon as we started stop being nomadic, we, we started owning stuff. Because, of course, when, you, mm-hmm. when you're nomadic, you, you can only own what you can carry on your back. And that's it. And that's it, right? So as, uh-huh. as soon as we started farming and all this stuff, people started kind of settling down mm-hmm. and started owning stuff. So... So basically, um, this kind of continued, and uh, until we got to the nineteenth, late nineteenth, and early early twentieth century, when things really did start to change. Up to then, yeah. the progress had been kind of gentle, but I think it was just that kind of beyond or around the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. things started to change very quickly, and basically. Of course, you had, with the Industrial Revolution, you had people who owned the means of production, the factories the, that were making the steel and the whatever it was. Mm-hmm. They needed people to work in the factories. To be useful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's when, of course, a huge migration began from agricultural activities to living in cities, to yeah. urban dwelling. And, of course, in order for that to happen, um, the workers had to be reasonably healthy and, of course, they had to be reasonably well-educated so that they could um, be efficient workers. And, of course, governments played their part uh, by uh, vaccinating people against diseases. Keeping them healthy keeping so them, they can be useful. <laughs> so they can be used in the, or used, yeah. in the factories. And, of course, they educated them enough, again, so that they would be useful, so that the factory owners didn't have to educate them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the, we as citizens were kept fit and educated to enough serve. to serve at the foot of the capitalists and so on and so forth. And that kind of got us through the 20th century, mm-hmm. most of it. And we are again with a change. Yeah, but towards the end of the 20th century, of course, things started to change again because of computer technology, internet, yeah, compu- technology, yeah. computing power is a particular thing. And what we were finding as we approached the end of the 20th century was, of course, was that if you take factories, for example, they're becoming more and more automated. Yeah, for sure. And it really started actually in the early 70s, I think it was, in kind of car manufacturing where Mm -hmm. they had the Unimate kind of robot, Mm -hmm. the single arm thing we've all seen. Yeah. Those were the Unimate were the very first manufacturers of those. And, of course, now you go into a modern car production factory. Well, it's all over. They're, you know, the cars are just being assembled mostly by... The robots. ...various kinds of robots, very clever ones as well. <laughs> and, of course, similarly, um, if you look at more traditional grunt-type occupations like armies and stuff like this, of course, that is all rapidly becoming technology-based. So it would not surprise me if in the next 20 years um, warplanes won't have pilots. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 
Well, like we had some news related to that recently. We, we did, we did, and there are actually um, prototype pilotless mm-hmm. um, interceptors and fighter aircraft. The interesting thing about them is that if you can't, if you're a country that can't afford that technology, yeah. you are going to get beaten every time. Every time yeah. by the country that can, because these interceptors can take. 20G turns. And Now, interestingly enough, yeah. I don't think we will see this automation with uh, pilots uh, in commercial airplanes, for example. I think it'll be... Because of the human factor there, people getting like... Nervous. Nervous, and nobody's flying this thing but the machine. I think it... You'll have Although, a, yeah. You'll, you'll have a similar thing to like, why do we have drivers of trains? Exactly. Now, we all know you could automate that, right? Uh-huh. But they don't. And as I was going to say also, in fact, nowadays, automatic pilots, they actually fly them. The entire flight. And you still have there the pilots, just yeah. in case. Yeah. And probably because it makes people probably feel more secure. Well, quite often the pilot lands the plane, mm-hmm. and quite often he takes off the plane. But once That's it's it. off the ground... Yeah. Once they reach the cruise... Yeah. Uh, Altitude, just boom. put the feet up, light a yeah. spliff, relax. Yeah, maybe take a not, nap. Maybe not quite that, but you know, the thing. <laughs> the thing about it is that that technology is there, and of course, if we go back to this concept of automation, uh-huh. we all know about the march of driverless cars, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that clearly is inevitable, right? Yeah, and. Things are becoming more and more automated. It's reaching into more and more aspects of our everyday lives. It's becoming more uh-huh. noticeable. So uh, now is the time to upgrade humans. Well, how do we do that? This is the thing, right? So, what can we do uh, about the immediate future? Because we are seeing rapid improvements in biotechnology and bioengineering, mm-hmm. and it may be that we're on the edge of a period in history where it is biological uh, inequality that will potentially be, shall we say, the next revolution. So we often think about the internet as being revolutionary. Mm -hmm. If you do sufficient reading about the internet, actually it wasn't that revolutionary um, in that it came about over quite a long period of time. Obviously, changed a lot. Mm-hmm. But this concept of biological inequality is very, very interesting in that if you take a human being, what can you do? Mm-hmm. You've, you've effectively got two, two. options. Uh-huh. Or you could do both, obviously. Or both. So, yeah. so basically, you can alter the structure of a human by fiddling around with the DNA. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's decided that having an eye in the middle of your forehead is a really great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. The, I think that DNA modification will be the most uh, risky one. It'll be the most controversial, I think. And, yes. I think. Yeah. Because, of course, we're already kind of fiddling around a little bit, aren't we, with, mm-hmm. with screening embryos for genetic... Uh, Inherited diseases and things like yeah. that. And there are certain things that can be fixed. Uh-huh. So we're on the slippery slope, aren't we? You can 
you can just imagine and what what is being imagined for example if we just look at the two possibilities there is the possibility of dna modification and then the other one is to combine inorganic mm-hmm. uh, technology with organics. So obviously we're talking about what is commonly referred to as implants. Implants. Right? Um, we were just, in fact, mentioning a technology that's in its infancy in the news yeah. that potentially can detect neuronal activity, mm-hmm. non-invasive um, this reminds me of the TV series of the Six Million Dollar Man. The Six Million. You know? <laughs> and his bionic was arms and legs and the eye. And... Yeah. He ran very slowly, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Yes. That was because it was a very fast camera. They had to slow it down, right? Yes, of yeah. course. <laughs> and yeah, so, so the, the point is that obviously with all these kinds of technologies, particularly these kinds of technologies... You can imagine it's the super rich that of are, course. are going to access them first. I think it's going to be hard for the general population to get access to this kind of technology at the beginning. They're just not going to Which do. is going to cause this inequality. Yeah. So we're, we're effectively going to enter a phase in our develop, human development where there are going to be two classes of people on the planet. There's going to be a tiny, tiny minority mm-hmm. who are... M- enhanced yeah and then there's going to be the rest of us and these enhanced people who's going to take uh, all the power all the power there they are and strangely they're probably the people who've got all the money right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah so those same people are going to be the people who are going to take advantage of this first yeah there's like an interesting not saying uh, here you know that in the past yeah. Nobility tried to convince the masses that they were superior to everyone else. Yeah, tried to convince. And so they should hold the power. Yeah. Now, with this, it's almost the same. Except they really will be superior. Yes, exactly. So the thing about the past and the aristocracy, the nobility, uh-huh. was that actually they put their trousers on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. They were just lucky they were born in certain circumstances. That's circumstances, and, yes. And they really did have to try hard to convince people. And if you take places like France, they didn't do a very good job of that because they ended up chopping all their heads off, right? But uh, this future, these people will actually be superior. Superior. And... With this rise of implants making people, mm. and if at the same time artificial intelligence exactly, well, uh, imagine rises, and again imagine implants with artificial intelligence. Ooh. So imagine having an implant that was like a second thinking engine of it. Yeah, but if you develop at the, the same time independent artificial intelligence, I agree. that is going to take away jobs. The jobs yeah, then. People will become not only physically uh, inferior. inferior, economically they will be crushed. They'll become useless. They'll become extra what? to requirements. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is what we've been talking about mm-hmm. previously is yeah. that we are... What do you do then? We are entering this period of potentially mass unemployment. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, what use are you to the government if... One, you are physically inferior. Second, you're, economically you are 
Useless. You're just consuming resources. Yes. What the hell are you for, right? So and that's scary to think is, about it. It is very scary, and we could end up in a situation where we have this elite who are enhanced, and the double whammy is that <laughs> AI is taking yeah. all the jobs, right? And a very interesting uh, point has been made that gives a kind of a practical kind of example uh-huh. that is is upon us because um, I don't know whether you you may be aware of this, but Tesla, the uh, electric yeah. car company, another Elon Musk, Elon Musk. thing, uh, this September they're announcing a driverless car truck. Ah, the truck, yeah, I remember now, yeah. We talked about it also. Now, I'm surprised. I'm surprised nobody's tried to um, bump him off yet, because right? <laughs> clearly that is going to be a major mm-hmm. seismic shift in employment. Right. So here is the here is the kind of here's just a kind of a practical thought experiment, shall we say, or a thought experiment, which is if you think about the transportation market, and it doesn't matter where you are, the US, anywhere. You have thousands and thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands, even in where we are. Yeah. You have hundreds of thousands of people whose means of earning an income is either driving a truck, uh-huh. driving a taxi, or driving a bus. Mm-hmm. Right? So imagine then, at the moment, they have some kind of political power Yeah. in that... They can withdraw their labor the moment they strike to make for a example. Point. Yeah. yeah, and they can all come out together and paralyze a country. Mm-hmm. It's happened everywhere at some point in the past, right? They, they exercise this power and they can actually achieve certain political mm-hmm. ends by doing that. So, imagine then 25 years from now, everything's self driving trucks. Taxis, buses, mm-hmm. all those people that had jobs either have had to find another job that has not yet been taken mm-hmm. by an AI or they're unemployed. Uh, this just uh, feeds the hunger for power from certain people, the yeah. people that will be there because... Uh, When you have, for example, the union of taxis or buses or so on, they're going to strike. Trains or whatever. Yeah. yeah it, the service goes down. Yes, it's chaos and everything. But yet, to do that, mm. you needed to have every single person on the same cause for the same yeah. reasons yeah. and to strike. So it's like cohesion. It's society yes. cohesion, isn't it? But when you have AI and automatic, yeah. it's just one guy that can press a button exactly. and say, <laughs> We're off. Well, the interesting... That power relies only on one person, let's say. The interesting thing about it is that the power then rests probably in a corporation or a company that owns the algorithm Mm -hmm. that runs that particular transport Mm -hmm. system. And they're the ones calling the shots with the government. Yeah. Not you, the (laughs) worker. Not not anymore. Not anymore. So basically... They They don't need unions. Exactly, unions will become pointless. <laughs> yeah. So we go from a situation where each of those individual bus drivers, taxi drivers, um, uh, train drivers, whatever, had a little bit of political and economic power 
Uh-huh. So hundreds of thousands of people within one economic region have li- a little bit of economic and political power to them having no political and economic power and a faceless corporation having that power. And, of course, you are now not privy to the conversation mm-hmm. they're having with the government. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right? This is worrying stuff. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and as has been pointed out... If you lose as an individual your economic importance, in a way, the state, your government, kind of loses its incentive to keep you healthy and educated. Of course, like we're saying, they will start to be some kind of uh, selection process. Well, I, you know, in Europe at the moment, there's there's been this rise over the last 10 years or so in popular, uh, populist uh, political movements and a lot of objection to immigrate, you know, migrant movements and immigration and all this stuff. And it makes you wonder if this kind of, if anything like this comes to pass, you'll actually have governments potentially paying you as a citizen to leave Mm -hmm. and go somewhere else because they just don't need you anymore. So instead of, so the, it won't be the immigrants that are trying to get to leave the country. Yeah. It will be the citizens that are trying to get to leave the country. Mm-hmm. So it is quite a scary kind of thing. Anyway, um, so the question is, of course, is that if you have these enhanced individuals and you have AI and the AI evolves continues to evolve because the thing about ai is it's not darwinian right it's not limited by darwinian evolution no not at all it works on a different scale and a different speed so potentially and this is one of the concerns about ai is that it can evolve at tremendous velocity right and at some point we may become, re- including the enhanced humans. Exactly. I think, yeah, we've all seen those movies, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that uh, uh, there's a website, very interesting, Yeah. about uh, if, will a robot take your job? That is actually quite That is, wow. And did, if you go to this link that we've Check got, it in the show notes. You actually type in your job, and then it actually gives you the analysis of how susceptible your job is to AI. Uh-huh. Now, I, I tried and put what I do in there, and fortunately, I'm, I'm okay for the next eight weeks. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm in an area, and you're in an area, yeah. where we're, we're pretty robust. Um, but you put in, for example, I put in, I tried a baker. Oh. A baker. And, Automated. And it, it was listening, just forget it, it's something like 84% probability that that job is going to be taken it'll over. just disappear. Yeah. You'll just have this machine, an, Android machine, uh, you know. A, Baking for you, everything. Might be a robot baker. It was simple as that. Yeah. And it, you know, probably has all the, probably wears the hat and the apron, but. (laughs) (laughs) They are painted and integrated into the frame. (laughs) So they moves around on a track, right? Yeah. In the baker shop, probably serve you as well out the front. And 
there's another very interesting link, which is if you kind of think, oh, come on, artificial intelligence, it, it's not doing anything. If if you actually follow one of our other links, um, it's to a um, an article that describes or illustrates eight ways that intelligent machines are already affecting your everyday life. Uh-huh. And this is from banking stuff to yeah. all kinds already of... Already affecting your life. Number one, actually, is your phone. Exactly. Very scary stuff. Number two, your shopping basket. Yes. Number three, on your TV. TVs are very worrying, becoming smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number four, your email. Yeah. One of the main communica- form of communications nowadays. Yeah. And that is concerning, of course, because if you yeah. talk about Google, mm-hmm. they are they have access to everything you write. And, of course, the last one, which is one of the biggest right now, mm. on your social media. Which is why I try not to use it. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was number five. And number six, yeah. at your bank. Exactly. Your money. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. the, they're now using AI to assess people for loan. Exactly. Um, and all the savings you have, everything, if suddenly an AI yeah. says, you don't need them anymore. Yeah. Or try and sell them this or yeah. this. Number seven, in hospitals. Yeah. And that's when becomes even more worrying because then how can you stay healthy yeah. if suddenly an AI decides or... Yeah. But of course, one of the interesting developments with AI is this IBM Watson thing, right? Uh-huh. And IBM Watson is this supercomputer uh, project and it is already being... Um, it is already being trained to do diagnosis mm-hmm. and it is actually showing itself to be much better at diagnosis than a human doctor. That's a human doctor. And yeah. I I, uh, I think I mentioned it to you some time ago that I listened to a really interesting program where there was a specialist, a medical specialist, and he uh-huh. he was had this Watson AI assistant and the interviewer said to him, can you ever imagine a time when an artificially intelligent diagnosis would be done over your diagnosis? And this, yeah. this specialist is going, no, no, no I, can ne- I can never see that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, <laughs> this guy's just not with it. Yeah. Number eight is yeah. science. Yeah. Then where are we going then? We're after indeed. This? Yeah. We're indeed. Anyway, I thought we might just finish with. Yeah. A couple of um, movies. Movies, yeah. Um, now, the first one, have you seen this one, Rafa? Of course, it's a classic. It is a classic. Gattaca. Gattaca. Uh, with music by that um, Japanese guy. Absolutely fantastic music. Uh-huh. And this is about a um, a future, kind of a dystopian future where... Uh-huh. Genetics allow parents to determine qualities in their children before they're born. Yeah. And... Basically, parents can choose. They can choose. And basically, if you've not... If your parents can't afford to have you modified, you're regarded as inferior. And actually, in 
the movie, and I think it's based on a book, this, yes. this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're unmodified, you're called an invalid. Invalid. Yeah, uh-huh. true. Very nice play on words, I yeah. thought. So that was a 1997 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the director was Andrew Nichol, highly recommended. I thought the music was wonderful in that. Yeah. And the next movie is... Have you seen this one? I haven't seen this one, actually. Tell you, you've got to see Or maybe I have seen it, but I don't recall right now. It is a bit out there, but it is good. Yeah. And this is THX 1138, a 1971 movie. and By George Lucas. It's actually George Lucas's first feature film. And if you're wondering, THX, yes, refers to... A person. Uh-huh. Yeah. And THX 1138 is a person because they've all got numbers. Why mm-hmm. not? And he's played by a young Robert Duvall. Oh. And he um, starts a physical relationship, which is not allowed. Yeah. Uh, with LUH 3471, <laughs> who is played by Maggie McComey, who I've never really heard of. And basically, it's a future, again, a dystopian society where people actually don't have work mm-hmm. and they live in kind of silos, kind of warrens, underground warrens. And basically, they have to take medication. They take mandatory medication. That would control their emotions. Controls their emotions because the living, uh, this movie is really great for scenes of super dense populations. So uh-huh. they're like really crammed in. And basically what happens is uh, THX 1138 stops taking his meds. Mm-hmm. And basically he convinces LUH 3471 to stop taking her meds. Then they start having sex, everything goes downhill from there. And basically they wake up and realise what What? the reality actually is. Of existence, That they're living in. And it's all about what happens after that. Mm -hmm. And then I found one book. One book. That I thought was interesting. I haven't never read this I've not read this book myself. It's actually pretty new. It's called... called, Yeah, sorry. Please, if anybody's read no, it. No, you're saying that if anybody read it, let us know what you think it. about it, yeah. And the book is called The Mandibles, and it was published in 2016 by Lionel Shriver. And basically, it's set in 2029. Mm-hmm. The, the US economy has completely tanked. The dollar's worthless. Inflation is rampant. And like this, the wall between the US and Mexico <laughs> is meant to keep impoverished Americans north of the border. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's that's how is the reality. Then. That's exactly. They're being, <laughs> they're being sold a lie, obviously. And it's basically about the family, the Mandible family, and they lose their fortune in an economic crash. And it's about their fall from, shall we say, their privileged life into one of hardship and violence and so on and uh-huh. so forth. So it is apparently a dystopian novel with a side-serving of economic theory. Yeah, a pinch just to give just it Just a down. soup song yeah. uh-huh. economic theory. So it looks quite interesting. I don't know whether I might, I might buy that. I don't know. Uh-huh. So there you have it. A book, a couple of movies. Yes. Some worrying... Stuff, stuff. <laughs> and I, I think I, th- I personally think this stuff is seriously worth thinking about. Thinking about it and considering because this is now. Yeah, 
There's no escape. And probably right now, people, or actually there's a conspiracy theory about this, saying that, you know, people is getting distracted from the what's happening, <laughs> like these kind of things, especially by exactly the social media and mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. that They get so distracted they that certain people is taking advantage of mm -hmm. this distraction keeping people entertained and distracted too. While there are moves going moving on. Moving around, yeah. And do the main moves. The big moves, right? Uh-huh. Well, we've discussed this before. I'm convinced there is some very bad effects from social media. Yeah. Certainly on younger people. Mm -hmm. Not so much on us slightly more mature types because, <laughs> because we didn't grow up with it. Yeah, that's true. If you grow up with it... I think there's some well, if you're young and you grew up with social media, yeah, just in like in the uh, uh, one of the, our previous episodes, yeah. well, let us know let what us know. you think. And obviously, we're not expecting you to because we're expecting you to be glued to your social media. So. <laughs> Maybe they're listening to podcasts in their <sighs> phone. And they could take the chance to answer back. Who knows? I don't know. I, I don't know. Their social media overlord will probably have a hand in that. <laughs> whoever that may be yeah anyway so there you go that's it that's our main topic of today good yeah and uh, finally this week uh, an interesting little thing about security and oh yeah we know it's a big problem right mm -hmm. there are people out there trying to um, get at our stuff our private stuff continuously and of course smartphones are at the kind of bleeding edge of this kind of thing because we're walking around with them there's all kinds of kind of associated technologies mm -hmm. with near field communications yeah bluetooth blah 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 well we can see that nowadays the emerging uh, need from the fashion producers to have for example wallets yeah that have inside a lining protecting for rfid and yeah. near field and in fact we do actually know somebody who's got one of those if it's not I got you, also it? one. You got one. <laughs> I got a wallet. So I now know at least two people. There, it has right? the leather, but inside it has the, the shielding, right? The shielding yeah. all around. Yeah. And this is for what, the near field stuff. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um so the thing is obviously technology companies are always looking for new approaches to yeah. uniquely identify as individuals and Interestingly, there's there's an emerging technology in the area of um, biometrics, mm -hmm. which is kind of measuring natural kind of interactions. And it's to do with using the accelerometers and gyroscopes, which are built in to your phone. These are the things that... In phones, in the smartwatches, Yeah, they're in fitness tablets, bands. they're everywhere, right? Yeah. And there's solid-state devices, and they're, they're, they're the kinds of things that, for example, make the image always the right way up when you turn mm -hmm. it down, all this stuff, right? And uh, what has been realised is, and software has been developed to check this out, that it is possible to take the data coming from an excel the accelerometers and gyroscopes in your device and actually build up a signature mm -hmm. purely based on how you move. Yes. It's kind of like, um, it's called gait, G-A-I-T, you know, the way you mm -hmm. walk, the way you actually hold the device, the way you move your wrist or your hands. Uh -huh. 
All this information is picked up by the accelerometers and gyroscopes. And it's actually very true. The way we move well, we were is different from this, human right? to human. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, I was telling to Carl earlier, yeah. uh, If I think this has happened to everybody. Hmm. One day, late afternoon or in the night, mm-hmm. you see somebody coming to you. You're back, backlit or something with yes. the sun? Or? You can see maybe just the... Uh, the shade, the uh, yeah, outline, the outline of the person walking, mm. but most of the times you can distinguish who is coming yeah. by the way he's walking. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very true, and it's it's, it's obviously the, something you learn over a long. It's mm-hmm. familiarity, isn't mm-hmm. it? And then we were mentioning also the case of, uh, for example, animals, mm. domestic animals, cats, mm. dogs. They usually know when the owners are coming back to the apartment to the house yeah. by two, well, mainly two things, smell yeah. and the steps. Yeah, well, They recognize the steps you're doing. They know who is coming. And I wonder whether they're picking it up as vibrations. As vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because there's lots of stories, isn't there, isn't there of uh, dogs, for example, going to the door of a house inside and their owner comes in like 30 seconds later. Yeah. And they've not, Seeing them. It has happened to me as well with my cats. Right. <laughs> so many times they're already waiting for us there in the door, near so, the door. So it must make you think that they're picking up vibrations. or. Mm-hmm. And so this this technology of using uh, the gyroscope data and the accelerometer data is kind of, kind of stemming from that yeah, idea, it, really, uh, isn't it? Yeah. And there's a, um, a company called BioCatch, is it? No. Call sign, which is a behavioural biometrics firm. Uh-huh. I've got a feeling it's Israeli, I think. And they have developed some software, and it can actually uh, identify an individual with a similar accuracy to a fingerprint, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Right? It's pretty accurate. And this is just based on the way you're moving when you're holding the device, completely tells you apart from somebody mm-hmm. else doing the same thing. And he's speaking about security and mm. your um, uh, information, you know, your private information and the way you are, imagine that somebody would steal your phone. Yeah. You can identify the person that stole your phone <laughs> if he has been using a device before that can identify him. No, and raise, services can say, oh, this is not the owner of the phone. Now, you raise a very interest point, interesting point there because... What you're, if we talk about like DNA databases, uh-huh. then it does make you wonder whether these biometric identifiers, these, these that work on the gyroscopes and the accelerometer data, whether that is processed locally uh-huh. or whether it actually requires a back end processor that's somewhere in the cloud uh-huh. and that your uh, biometric signature is held in the cloud. In the cloud. Or whether it's local, because obviously there are then privacy issues, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Clearly. Clearly. Uh, but you're right. If uh, if if the data is, if the biometric data is held in the cloud, then potentially... You can you, authenticate somebody. You could like be that. identified, couldn't you? Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. So this whole area of biometric stuff has got a long way to run. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we'll see some interesting developments uh, in the near future. Yep, exactly. So that's our end finally for today. Yep.
Very good one. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, we may come back to this kind of thing. Okay. We're finishing now the episode of today. Yeah. Implants, artificial intelligence, you know. <laughs> the perfect storm. Overlord, the perfect storm, the perfect soup, yeah. the perfect recipe. <laughs> the perfect I don't know, re- you decide. The perfect recipe for disaster. I, <laughs> I mean, it does make you think about societies. We seem to be in a fairly unstable period, don't we? The world, mm-hmm. the world appears less safe to me today than it has for most of my life. Yeah, increasingly, there is becoming more, more. There is more instability. Mm-hmm. These kinds of developments are not going to help, are they? No. And then you have two people like... Uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you you weren't going to mention... Yes, I was starting to go to that side, which everybody's talking about it, but no. Yeah, we, we're not going to go there. No. We're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, an interesting subject. Yeah. We would urge you to think about and maybe read about these things. Because of course. Because you're not going to escape. Even if it doesn't affect your job, it will affect somebody you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And remember that we would appreciate very much your comments mm. and to share some of your thoughts with us. We would. So, get in touch and we we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Carl. Yes, thank you, Ralph. See you next week. Bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2017.